What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have my favorite video to make in season. We have my top 10 lessons learned and takeaways from the football that we got to watch yesterday. Now, I'll be honest, this is going to come out a little bit late because there were no bye weeks. So this might as well, it's more like it's top 10 lessons learned, but I really squeeze like 15, 16, 17 uh, into 10. Some of these are combos, but we have a lot to get into today. A lot of teams played yesterday. So as always, if you enjoy, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Now, our first fantasy football takeaway from week eight, looking forward to week nine, is a sad one. All right. What I have written down here, I, it, it's, it just sucks to say, but Tony Pollard is just fancy Joe Mixon at this point, and it really sucks. Now, this is somebody that we were very high on going to the season. We really liked Tony Pollard. We knew he was very good. He was efficient. He was explosive. And if given not a bell cow workload, but just being the featured back, running the routes that Ezekiel would open up, he would be good. Well, that has not been the case this year. And it's really been an efficiency thing. If we look here through seven games in 2023 versus what he's done, done in 2022, just last year, he goes from 5.2 yards per carry in 2022 to 3.9 yards at the contact per attempt, 3.8 to 2.4 now. Then he goes from 19% missed tackles force per attempt, 19% to 11% in 2023, 8.8% explosive run percentage to 3.7% in 2023, expected points per game. So that's volume, right? That's your carries, your targets, ADOT, red zone touches, all of that encompass into one metric. The volume has been there. He goes from a 12.0 expected points per game in 2022 to 17.6 in 2023. And he's turned that into just 14.2 points per game, which is actually less than his output last year. And that's when he was playing less than 50% of the snaps. So it's really, really brutal. Now, I, I know I said under this is Tony Pollard, just Kenyon Drake. Fuck. Like, it's it's not good. It's not good. His rushing yards over expected per attempt went from 1.17 second in the NFL to now below average to negative 0.16. And a lot of people were pointing it out, and I think it's definitely fair to speculate that a lot of his struggles are probably due to injury. We have injury, and then we also have Mike McCarthy. Where Mike McCarthy, he's not using Tony Pollard in a lot of like stretch outside zones. He's kind of just ramming him between the tackles, but that's still isn't a super valid excuse, and it might even point to them kind of hiding Tony Pollard's explosion quickness like maybe they would want to put him on those runs a little bit more if he had more of that juice and it's tough essentially what happened in the playoffs last year is he had a high ankle sprain and he fractured his fibula which sounds pretty brutal but from pretty much every injury analyst out there we were told this was not a big deal he was going to be fine and I took that word at face value maybe I should have been skeptical but it's also not my expertise like and I don't I don't even want to show these <clears throat> screen grabs to tear down either of these guys but I just wanted to show that fantasy doctors that I've seen and I respect weren't or injury analysts whatever you want to call them weren't really concerned is really what I'm trying to show here this is not an aha I got you but Jesse Morris everybody kind of knows him he's more of your uh kind of the poster boy for injury analysts love Tony Pollard this year no restriction this was June 2nd he's going to be even better in 2023 than in 2022 when he finishes the RB7 now somebody that's more numbers based we've been liking him a lot Deepak Chona this is a tweet he had uh July 8th 
Tony Pollard, ankle fractures don't hurt RB production, likely fully cleared before camp this month. Role as pass catcher helps lower season-long injury risk. Strong reasons to view Pollard as round one worthy. So again, this is not a gotcha moment. I was also very high on Pollard, but from... I've been talking to Cowboys fans. It just seems like, and we saw it on the the primetime game versus the Chargers. He had that, that one completion or one catch where Dak sort of makes something out of nothing in the pocket. He finds Pollard and on usually what would be 60-yard house call for Tony Pollard. He gets tracked down at like the 20 or the 10. And just like the juice and the explosiveness and the guy who was looking like one of these, you know, hyper-efficient Jamal Charles type back just has not been that this year. And I do kind of think that it is an injury thing right now. He's now like 27. He's coming off a pretty brutal injury. We were told that it probably wasn't going to be an issue. I think it has. I, I don't know if there's really much to blame here. The offense has been good. The volume has been there. Like if we look at uh, the splits here, or no, the splits here, 76% of the snaps, 8 out of 10 on the on the third down and fourth downs, 1 of 2 inside the 10. He had this screen pass that he bobbled and he probably would have scored a touchdown there. He just hasn't been the same this year. And it's really tough because I do think that he was a talented player, but I think just age coming off that injury so late in the year has kind of caught up to him. So in terms of his rest of the season expectation, he went from a guy that I believed could have been a legendary running back, 20-plus point per game upside, top three running back rest of season, to probably more of your back-end RB1. Like think Ezekiel Elliott towards the end of his prime in Dallas when he was around that like 15, 16, 17 points per game. Josh Jacobs before last year. So if you remember Josh Jacobs, his like rookie year, second year, he was like a 15 point per game guy. So it's tough. It sucks. You live and you learn. Like I, I wish, I don't know, unless you had the foresight to fade him because of this injury. Again, not even the injury analysts were really fading it. And I don't really believe the idea that because he's getting more volume, he's just becoming inefficient because of that. There, there's been routine spots here where he has had an open running lane to go make a big play and he has just been tracked down. Again, the explosion, all of that just seems like it's just not there like it once was. Now, we also have on the other side of this game that I wanted to talk about, right, where you have the Cowboys versus the Rams. Again, a lot of these takeaways are going to be kind of uh, dual-pronged here where we have Darrell Henderson. My hope for Darrell Henderson, uh, he's still been fine, right? Like, I don't even really know how much, how many points he put up this week, but he was fine. I want to say it was like 10-plus points. You know, he, he was in a, a, a decent spot there, but if we look at uh, the screen grab from David Richard. Now, I do also want to say, I know I'm saying like a billion things right now, but... Um, I do want to make sure I've been getting a little bit lazy recently about shouting out my sources. I will say uh, all of these stats are from fantasypoints.com. They sort of revamped like this data suite thing. It's a really, really cool uh, website feature. So make sure if you, if you want kind of access to like Miss Tackles Forest, all of that, it's on there. And they have it as early as like literally this morning it was updated. So that's amazing. Now, Dave Richard here, you have Royce Freeman, 52% of the snaps, 8 out of 15 on long down and distance and Henderson, 48% of the snaps. Two out of three inside the 10. So, like, it's a pretty split role here. Darrell Henderson as well had 11.5 PPR points, 12 carries, 31 yards. Not great. Uh, three catches for 54 yards. That'll do. So, he's fine. Really, what I'm trying to say is my hope was Darrell Henderson would come out here and maybe get, like, one game to get up to speed. And then we'd see him pretty much be the one-for-one Kyron Williams replacement where we just see him become the 90% plus bell cow. And that's just not the case. So it's split moving forward. It's actually really bad now, too, because we have Matthew Stafford getting an injury. They're saying he might go on IR. There's a lot of things up in the air with the Rams right now. It is not good whatsoever. Darrell Henderson, again, we we're hoping he could become the pure bell cow. It's a split. 
Kyron Williams is coming. He's like in the rearview mirror at this point. And then on top of that, a Matthew Stafford injury. So things are, the sky is kind of falling in LA. And I, I wish I had something positive to say, but their quarterback is presumably Brett Ripien. Uh, so that just is what it is. Now, our second takeaway is this week was a great lessons learned. Look, look, I just took the Tony Pollard stuff on the chin. Let, let me have, let me have a W real quick. This week was a good lesson learned for the people who drafted dead zone back Miles Sanders because of his salary. All offseason, we said Miles Sanders was really efficient with the Eagles. When you go to a bad team, it's going to be tough to be efficient. On top of that, he's not a very good pass catcher. You are simply drafting Miles Sanders where you were drafting him last year, like that round seven area, based on the idea of perceived volume. And that's always, always, always been a trap, especially if that volume is predicated not on talent, but on a paycheck, which is pretty brutal. We see all the time, like Kenny Galladay got paid a ton. I know the most recent ones, a lot of people are going to point at Christian Kirk. That is not the norm. A lot of times we've seen guys hit free agency, get big bags, and then not get used. Actually, in the opposite of that, I think James Conner didn't get paid much, and he's actually been kind of great for fantasy uh, in Arizona, especially with running backs, man. It's just tough. Like following the money, Dalvin Cook fetched $7 million and he sucks. It's just, it's a dangerous, dangerous proposition to chase the dollars and cents when it comes to the running back position. Unless if it's like, I don't know, unless if it's like a young guy getting a massive deal, you know, like McCaffrey getting his big deal. And uh, I guess like Jonathan Taylor getting his big deal. But even then it's kind of shaky. Like it really should just be, is this player good point blank? Uh, especially because we've seen guys who are like day three, UDFAs, James Robinson, Alfred Morris, like running back doesn't really work that way where it's like the highest paid guys are the best ones in fantasy. Uh, so that was a dangerous assumption. We now have a week here where, I mean, they beat the Texans. They win this game. So that's a little bit of a positive reinforcement for Chuba Hubbard. I will say Chuba Hubbard wasn't amazing, uh, but this was a game where Chuba Hubbard had 17 touches to Miles Sanders, two touches, 45 of 67 snaps to Miles Sanders, 12 of 67 snaps. Now, I have to be honest, uh, Chuba Hubbard had 1.87 yards per carry. He's actually been great at rushing the ball all year, uh, but this was a bad game for him. So I don't really think it's going to be like this, where like Chuba Hubbard's has this wide of a gap on Miles Sanders, but this is going to be a pretty even split rest of the way. And I don't know. I mean, you drafted Miles Sanders to be an RB2 for you. He's really more of like a desperation RB3 uh, type of play moving forward on this team. So just things are looking pretty brutal for Miles Sanders. Chuba Hubbard isn't like a league winning waiver wire ad either. So I'm not going to sort of take that route. Uh, but we also have on the other side of that game, the Texans running back split. That one was also bad. Now, this was an L for me. I like Damian Pierce. I myself learned a valuable lesson that I think when we're chasing running backs here, right? Damian Pierce, I think, was in a good... He was between like this J.K. Dobbins, Kenneth Walker, uh, Javante Williams type of area. And I really like Damian Pierce in that range. We like J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins got hurt, but he crushed in week one. So you, you truly hate to see that. And it's kind of this valuable lesson where I thought, you know, we, we've chased Ramondre Stevenson, and I thought, you know, it, it's not terrible to chase the good day three running backs, the guys who have good peripherals. But sort of what we're learning here is one running back efficiency isn't really sticky year to year, which, like, we already sort of knew. But, like, almost even more so with these day three guys where we've seen it. We, we saw it now with Tyler Algier, right? He had a great year uh, as a rookie efficiency-wise. Everything this year, he's been absolutely brutal, like under 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, we've seen it with, I, I want to say, um, Michael Carter. Michael Carter on the Jets. His first year was actually like pretty solid, pretty decent. He comes out last year absolutely brutal. 
Now, on the other side of that, we've seen Ramondre Stevenson. He came out second year, and he was really good. I think that you have to have, like, the, re- the reason Ramondre Stevenson worked out is, one, he was much cheaper than a guy like Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce was probably, like, a round five, round six guy in most leagues. Ramondre Stevenson heading into year two is more like a round eight, round nine guy because Damian Pierce was kind of holding him back, or not Damian, Damian Harris was kind of holding that ADP down. Unless if you have undeniable receiving talent like Ramondre Stevenson did, I think betting on day three running backs in the dead zone is probably a brutal, uh, I don't know if brutal is the right word, but it's probably a tough bet. Like we see here, the stat from Jacob Gibbs, snap rate, like it's about even, man. Like we're talking about 40%-ish snap share for Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary, 12 rushes for Pierce, 10 for Singletary. Pierce almost got bailed out on a touchdown rush, but that just got taken from him. They gave it to the fullback. Like it's just absolutely brutal. The Houston Texans are running the ball a lot. Uh, and they're a decent offense by the look of it, so that's not terrible for Pierce, but if it's going to be a split down the middle between him and Singletary moving forward, he's borderline not startable unless if it's like by Mageddon and you're down bad. Like, it's it's pretty brutal. Damian Pierce has also uh, been a big, big loser in 2023. After that, we have our third takeaway, is that Joe Burrow is all the way back, and so are the Bengals. Now, we have an assortment of charts and tweets here to kind of show what we've had with Joe Burrow. First up, we have... This chart here, which is EPA per play, showing us efficiency by game here. EPA per play is expected points added. What are you doing above or below what's expected per drive, scoring-wise, for your offense? And you can see, I mean, the first games, like, sucked versus the Browns. Baseline versus the Ravens, bad versus the Rams, bad versus the Titans. Turns it around a bit with the Cardinals back down with the Seahawks after the bye. 49ers game is his second-best game. Dating back to last year, his only better game was versus the Falcons last year, which is really impressive. Like the 49ers are a really, really good defense. So that's a sign that, you know, on just a per play basis of, of winning games, he's looking better. Now, when it comes to fantasy, right, that's real life production, EPA per play. But when we talk about fantasy football, he goes from the first four games, shout out JJ Zacharyson, 7.9 points per game. Last three games, 21.6 points per game. I'd say that'll work. Um, <laughs> Tim Robinson meme. Um, but then we have rushing production as well which really tells us that the calf probably feels much better where he was the statue he looked very uncomfortable the first few weeks comes out here weeks one through six 14 carries for 14 yards this week week eight six carries 43 yards on top of that uh baldy had a great breakdown today uh on twitter where he was saying that like joe burrow could escape alcatraz the way he was running yesterday he got wrapped up with eric armstead wrapped up with nick bosa he still spun out of it threw an absolute laser to T. Higgins. Like, he was absolutely dealing yesterday, and not just from a throwing standpoint, but from a evasion and pocket awareness and moving in the pocket and avoiding sacks and rushing and scrambling. Like, this was a huge, huge W uh, for all Bengals moving forward. Just the stats on the day, he was 28 for 32, 283 yards, three touchdowns throwing. I mean, like, that's just amazing. 27.6 fantasy points versus a top five defense at worst that made Dak Prescott look awful. Dak Prescott's had a, a rebound since then, but this defense is no joke. And Joe Burrow played some of his best ball. We've seen him play. Uh, you also have T. Higgins. He ran over 80% of the routes for the first time since week three. Uh, should be at 90% plus very, very soon here. Uh, of course, Jamar Chase did his thing. Joe Mixon had his first 20-point game of the year. So again, this is kind of like a rising tide lifts all ships sort of thing here. It's wheels up for all Bengals moving forward uh, in my eyes. Now, our fourth takeaway, fourth lesson learned, is we had a Trey McBride breakout. Now, some of you guys out there watch the Sneaky Starts video. I said, look, he's available over 90% of leagues. If you need a tight end, go check out Trey McBride. I just started him in my home league. We ended up picking up a W there. Um, 
But Trey McBride, man, he was very interesting as a prospect. He was like, I might pull up his RAS real quick, but he he was athletic, uh, 4'6 speed, decent size, second round pick. Um, he was interesting. And then he was just kind of a zero last year because of Zach Ertz. He was a zero to this point because of Zach Ertz. But he had a massive game yesterday where he had 88% of the routes, the first time he's ever cleared even 55% this season. He had a 39% target per route run, 40% of the targets, 8-yard A dot, 41% of the air yards. He had 26 PPR points. He was the tight end one overall on the week. He had 14 targets, 10 catches, 95 yards, and a touchdown. To me, he is at worst a tight end one moving forward. As, as long as Zach Ertz is not in the mix, he's a tight end one moving forward, uh, Trey McBride. Now, I do want to say this chart, every chart that you see that looks like this, where it's like a blue name and it's the whole table, this is from the utilization report on my fantasy life. So definitely check that out if you kind of want to see how these things work. It's also, they're also another one like fantasy points where how they get these tables out uh, on time and like literally the morning after the Sunday games, uh, again, is so far beyond me and what I can comprehend. But it's a really, really good tool. Again, Trey McBride, really fun, four six speed, size, second round pick. He was a, a, a good to decent prospect uh, is what I would call him. Kind of looked like in a vacuum, like a, not like a Luke Musgrave, but, you know, kind of in that vicinity of guys like the second round picks from this year. He looks very similar to those guys uh, coming out of Colorado State. Now, after that, we have the world famous, what you've all been waiting for, the rookie wide receiver report. Look at it in all of its glory. Now, before we get into this, it is sponsored by Underdog, of course. Uh, definitely check out. They have this like trick or treat uh, promo going on here, which is looks pretty cool. Underdog pick them. I say looks pretty cool because I don't have access to this in New Jersey or else I would. Uh, but they have essentially Michael Mayer has a 21.5 total yards higher lower. So you hop on Underdog Fantasy, use promo code RON. I'll have a link in the description and the comment section down below. You click it, it takes you to Underdog Fantasy, use the promo code RON. It'll match your first deposit up to $500. And then what you can do is that you can submit a pick em higher lower on the Michael Mayer 21.5 total yards. And for every yard he totals above his projection on Monday Night Football, another customer will win $100. I believe it's, yeah, they're splitting $100,000 across 1,000 customers. So if you're one of the lucky people that get picked, it's $100. 1,000 customers isn't, it's honestly a lot for a pick em slip. So, I mean, it says across 1,000. There might only be like a total of like, I don't know, 10,000 people that do it. So there's like a 10% chance plus every yard he gets above his proje uh, projection is another $100. So if you want to have little free hundred dollars to mess around with on your underdog account. This is a great way to sort of get in the mix, adding Michael Mayer to a pick'em slip. Now, again, promo code Ron gets you deposit match up to $500. Now, when we talk about the rookie wide receiver report, we got some things to talk about here because we have a new little addition. I had somebody in the discord uh, on the Patreon. Now, by the way, people on the Patreon get early access to the rookie wide receiver report pretty much as soon as I like break it down and everything i send it in there right away and somebody said ron how can, is there any way they can kind of track pff grades and i was like well i don't want to add another three columns and you know add like week six week seven week eight pff grades but it is a decent idea to kind of track how their pff grade is doing so what we have here the percentage change is the percentage change week to week in pff grade now i think i might still have them over here yeah so like puka nakua's pff grade heading into t uh heading into this week was 84.9 he went to an 83.7 so that's a negative uh, 1.4% decrease. That's nothing too crazy, but it is worth noting just kind of like, is a player trending up or down in a given week? So that's what we have added to the mix here. Now, if you're new here and you're like, Ron, what the hell is a rookie wide receiver report? Well, week six, seven, eight route percentage are just 
What percentage of pass plays are you running a route on? That's really important. Uh, targets per route run on a per route basis. How many targets are you getting? Uh, anything over 20% is good. Anything over 25% is elite. Yards per route run is just how efficient are you on those routes? Anything over two is elite. PFF grade, anything over 80 is elite. And that's just like, you know, how are you looking on film comparative to your uh, per route stuff? Now, this is rookie wide receivers with 80 or more routes sorted by their PFF grade. And again, that new column percentage change in PFF grade week to week. Now, first up, we have Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua, to me, still pacing well. Again, 28% target route run, 2 plus yards route run, 80 plus PFF grade. Those are all elite, elite, elite numbers. Now, he had a down week, right, where he had like under 10 PPR points. But here's the deal. He still is yet to go under 20% target share. He had a 20% target share in this game. The Rams just kind of got thumped by the Cowboys. It felt like in no time they were just down a billion. Neither Puka Nakua or Cooper Cup had over 10 PPR points. I'm a believer in the talent. I think Puka Nakua has done enough through eight weeks to solidify himself as currently rookie wide receiver one in this class and like a wide receiver one in Dynasty at worst. Like we talked about earlier, Stafford goes down. If he gets placed on IR and we have Brett Ripien distributing targets between Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, it's not going to be great. Now, I will say Sean McVay is a quarterback whisperer. He somehow got some stuff out of Baker, Baker Mayfield last year. I imagine, you know, we'll talk about Addison in a second, but it's a little bit less of a downgrade, right? Because I think that Sean McVay can kind of like weekend that Bernie's his way to just below average QB production, but it's not going to be great. It's not going to be what it was the first eight weeks. Uh, to me, Cooper Cup is going to eat first and then Puka Nakua. So Puka Nakua was like a fringe wide receiver one. He's probably now a fringe wide receiver two. A uh, similar idea to kind of like what Garrett Wilson is right now. It sucks, uh, but it is what it is. Again, I'm not all that concerned about the talent at the very least. Now, after that, we have Rashi Rice. Uh, a little bit of a down game where they lose to the Broncos. It's just weird all around, but still, Rashi Rice clears 60% of the routes. I'm not concerned that it was like a small dip from week seven. 5% difference isn't anything. He had the second most routes run among wide receivers behind just Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, he also led all wide receivers with five targets. All of that's good. His per-round stuff is still great. PFF grade just under 80. There's really not much uh, to take away with Rashi Rice. I'm still a believer in the talent. Then we have Jake Bobo. I have nothing really to say about Jake Bobo. It's very weird. Uh, he's like this part-time player. He blocks well. PFF absolutely loves him with the 78.8 PFF grade. Targets per run, yards per run are like decent. To me, he's nothing He's nothing too special. He's kind of just like, I wish I could come up with a, a decent comp for him, but... I, I don't know what his ceiling is for fantasy football, but in terms of real life player, like he's probably one of the better wide receiver fours in football is kind of what I'll say about Jake Bobo. Uh, then we have Demario Douglas. And this one's really exciting. So we've been talking about him all year, tracking him on. Oh, I didn't mean to show you guys all of this, but we've been tracking him, you know, 46% to 9%. Then he kind of like, he gets a concussion or something. And then he's out week six. And we now have some positive stuff with Demario Douglas, where he goes from 76% to now 84%. His targets per out run, elite. Yards per out run, just shy of elite. And that's with Mac, uh, Mac Jones as your QB. 75 plus PFF grade is great. Um, all arrows are pointing up for him. It was the first time he hit 20% target share uh, yesterday. He is a little bit gadgety with a 2.3 yard A dot, but still early on for him, for him. That's still like a pretty huge win for a day three guy if he can be sort of a gadget type of player. And even on top of that, Sadly, I will say it is absolutely brutal. I was rooting for Kendrick Bourne. I had him in a couple spots, like a, a dynasty best ball league and some other things. Kendrick Bourne was absolutely balling, and then he tore his ACL on Sunday. So that's brutal, but it does open up even more routes, targets for Demario Douglas. So all all arrows point up for Demario Douglas. Like he is definitely 
a guy. Like, he is not to be messed with. I will say in redraft, he's still just kind of a deep stash. I'm not comfortable starting him just yet, but in Dynasty, like, he's got some legs. Like, he's he's doing some things. Now, after that, we have Tank Dell. He goes from concussion, bye week, 93% of the routes. That's all great. A little bit of a down week, right? He had just four targets, three catches for 16 yards. Obviously not great. I will say he added three for 15 rushing the ball. So it's good they want to get him the ball in space. This entire Texans offense just wasn't good this week. I don't think anybody really got home for the Texans. So it's tough to really hold that on Tank Dell. 75 plus PFF grade, two plus yards per out run and like almost a 20% target per out run. Tank Dell to me, just fine. Uh, Josh Downs continues to eat. He had a 25% target share yesterday, nine targets, seven catches, 72 yards. He is the wide receiver 10 over the last four weeks. Now, speaking of over the last four weeks, you have Jordan Addison here, who, by the way, we didn't talk about him because of Monday Night Football. Don't be concerned about the 73% here. Uh, he had like cramps. He went off to the side for a little bit. That's the only reason that that dipped. Um, per route numbers, like the entire year, it's sort of still tough for him. Like these are like decent numbers. Uh, but you guys remember he is running routes for a lot of these routes next to Justin Jefferson, like the best wide receiver in football. So it's going to make sense for these to be a bit deflated, but he's trending up. You can see 2.5% increase, 72.5 PFF grade. He had eight targets, seven catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown this week. He is the wide receiver four over the last four weeks. I feel like I might've said that, but Kirk Cousins tears his Achilles. Now, I was saying boo-hoo about my Jets early on. I was like, man, like when's the last time a quarterback tore his Achilles like that? Absolutely brutal. And then Kirk Cousins goes out here in week eight, which is so, that's the part that really sucks is that he is going to be two months behind Aaron Rodgers' timeline. So he's, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, literally the, the video looked the same too. We could just see something pop in his calf. It just sucks, man. Um, I can't remember a year where two quarterbacks tore their uh, Achilles. Um, but yeah, it sucks. This one, I wish I could be even a fraction of positive as I am about like a Brett Ripien. They are all out of options. They have Jaron Hall, who is like a day three pick from BYU, who's like kind of toolsy, but we're talking bottom of the barrel, man. Maybe they do something at the at the deadline, but I wouldn't bet on it. Just Jefferson comes back, like Addison's going to be completely dust at that point. So I'm obviously not saying like drop him or like panic trade him, because I don't think that anyone's going to be dying to take him off your hands, but I'm just saying the reality of the situation, and this is not good. And I think everybody kind of knows that. Uh, but it sucks. He goes from somebody that was like, I mean, in games without Justin Jefferson, he was he was a must start at this point. Without Kirk Cousins, though, like we're talking wide receiver three type of production. And even then it's gonna be kind of like inconsistent. We'll see. I mean, Kevin O'Connell might be one of these guys like McVay that can kind of get the most out of the backup. Um, and I do think that Mullins isn't bad, but he's on IR right now. So Jaron Hall is pretty brutal. And it's not like you can just bring in a new quarterback because they have to learn the entire playbook. Like, it's going to take time. It's just, it's a brutal situation all around. I do really feel for uh, Vikings fans as well. Um, after that, though, we have Marvin Mims. This one is tough. Uh, he was third among wide receivers in routes, but that's really all you can hang your hat on. He kind of continues to trend down. Yards part run is still there, but that's just from some, like, fluky catches early on. It's looking a little bit tough for Marvin Mims. I'm not completely giving up on the talent because, like, 70-plus PFF grade, 2-plus yards per run are still great. But he goes from somebody that was, like, pacing with Rashi Rice and Josh Downs and all those guys to now being a clear tier below that. Um, weeks 5 through 8 here, he has just 4 receiving yards. Weeks 1 through 4, he had 242. So it's just been kind of a cold streak. There's still upside, though, if Judy or Corlin Sutton get moved – there's some wiggle room for Marvin Mims to be in the mix there, but 
it's tough. Maybe he gets like a rookie, uh, a post week nine rookie buy, but in redraft leagues, he's not really a mustache uh, in more casual leagues where the bench isn't all that short. Then we have Zay Flowers. PFF just doesn't like Zay Flowers for some reasons. I'm fine with him. The, this was an off game, right? He didn't really go crazy, but just the second time all year not hitting 10 plus PPR points. I, I don't think that that's really too, too much to worry about. Per out number is still good. Uh, you have Michael Wilson. Hasn't hit 10 plus PPR points since week four. Uh, consider me not really thinking that Michael Wilson's going to be a difference maker in fantasy is how I'll put it. Uh, then we have Jaden Reed, which was very interesting, where he goes from someone that was like bye week, then he was hovering around like 50% of the routes because Christian Watson came back. But now he led the wide receivers on this team in route percentage, 88%. And they went from kind of like Christian Watson and Dobbs and then like Reed at 50% to all of them being 80% plus, which is very interesting. I, I guess it kind of signals that they want to go more 11 personnel. Um, so if that happens for Jaden Reed, he's going to be someone you can flex on a weekly basis. He did pretty well in this game. He had over 10 PPR points. You know, it's four of seven games this year where some of them he wasn't even playing a full snap count. Over 10 plus PPR points. He's interesting. 1.71. Like, these aren't elite numbers, but these are still solid. PFF being a bit unkind to him. Uh, I will say, weekly, I mean, I'm not even going to really cover. Dontavion Wicks, Tyler Scott, Trey Palmer are all just guys. You don't really have to pay attention to them. You have Jalen Hyatt. Uh, per out numbers, everything's been looking awful this year. He continues to trend down 80%, 67%, 54%. I will say the only positive here is the Giants had just like seven passing yards on the day. It was a brutal, brutal game uh, where it was like rained out. Jets defense was lights out. My my hunch as to why this route percentage went down is in that game, they had no intention of passing the ball. They had Tommy DeVito playing quarterback. Uh, somebody who went to like, the rich private high school, like no, no lie, like 30 minutes away from me. Um, shout out him. I mean, he is a Jersey boy and he did have a gutsy performance versus the Jets yesterday, but my thoughts, I'll, I'll get to it as I'm getting it to it here. Jalen Hyatt, undersized, not a blocking receiver. He's like, what, like a buck 80 soak wet. I imagine that like them sort of giving Isaiah Hodgins his routes again, is probably because they wanted like a blocking presence out there. We have to remember, like there weren't even that many routes to be ran. So the the, the numbers are kind of squirrely no matter what. So that's really the only positive for Hyatt. But if the quarterback's not going to be consistent for the Giants, and if they kind of just pack this in, right, they just moved Leonard Williams. Like they might just say, fuck it all. Um, shut down Daniel Jones. Like they're, they're on the verge of just like completely just tanking the rest of the year. So we'll see. Uh, Quentin Johnson. Super, super positive news for Quentin Johnston. Uh, do I have it here? No, no, but I have I have some stats to share about Quentin Johnson that are a little bit exciting here, um, if I can find them. Oh, and we've we found them. All right, Quentin Johnson had his best game last night: six targets, five catches, fifty yards. Nothing too crazy, but his first ten plus PPR point game. And this is what I'll say. All right, he set season highs in the following targets. He had six targets. His previous high was three. Five receptions. His previous high was two. 50 yards, his previous high was 20. He had a 74.7 receiving grade, which is why you see the 11% change uh, week over week there. Uh, previous high was 65.2. He had 27 routes, his previous high was 25. Uh, he had 21 yards after the catch, previous high was 16. 1.85 yards per run in this game, his previous high in a single game was 0.82. So 1.85 is actually huge. Uh, he had a contested catch, which is huge for him. He's somebody that hasn't had contested catches and kind of has struggled that with that back to college so getting at least one is is nice he had three missed tackles for something that he was known for in college he had zero up to this point so three missed tackles for us he had four first downs uh he only had one his his in-game high was just one 
uh, in the past, and he also had a 101.4 passer rating when targeted, previous high in a single game, 85.4. So the bar was low, right? Like These aren't amazing, amazing numbers, but the bar was low, and we're seeing signs of life, and that's all we're asking for, okay? We want the late-season breakout. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, man, if he's put in another, like, one catch for freaking 12 yards performance, like, we're pretty much closing up shop on Quentin Johnson and saying, all right, that's it. He's not going to, now, I will say moving forward, he's not going in your lineup, nothing crazy, but he's somebody, if he's on waivers, he needs to be on your bench and just wait. Just stash and wait. It's week eight. The hope is from week 12 on that he really finds a groove here. Um, I'm not one to buy into narratives, but I do at least like that Keenan Allen is there, kind of giving him, you know, giving him pointers and remaining positive and sharing some wisdom with him. He was even, Keenan Allen was actually talking highly of him in the postgame interview as well. Get into a lot of narratives here. 15% target part run is okay. Awful efficiency, but this was a step in the right direction. So that's at least something. Now, after that, we have JSN. JSN gets a last-minute touchdown in this game, uh, but the route percentage dipped to 67%. Now, we already talked about it, but Jake Bobo still stayed at 31%, and that's sort of where he's been hovering around all year. Uh, so I don't really think it was DK Metcalf. I don't think it was Jake Bobo. I still can't really understand why JSN's routes dipped by like 15% here. I think some of it was tight ends, and that would make some sense to to want to you know, opt for a lot of 12 personnel versus Miles Garrett. So you can always have somebody on the outside kind of chipping or get an extra blocker in. That would make sense to me as to why JSN's usage was down. He got bailed out with a last minute touchdown to kind of get his PPR points up. Um, but it was a good Cleveland defense, regardless, positive. He's trending up. That's now like three games in a row where we're seeing some positive signs for JSN. PFF grade still very, very low, even lower than Quentin Johnston, which is like honestly pretty concerning. But we're seeing things trend in the right direction for both of those guys. Last rookie wide receiver we'll talk about here is John Mingo. He had his best game of the year. He had 10.2 PPR points. And this is a Panthers team that's like kind of, you know, they're turning the corner. They just beat the Texans who have been good this year. Bryce Young looked great. Like he had this one throw. I don't know who it was, but he like got out of a sack and just like flick of the wrist, found Adam Thielen down the field. Like Bryce Young looked good. This offense looked okay yesterday. If John Mingo can just become kind of the number two option in this offense and sort of develop he might be a guy down the stretch as well to keep an eye on i'm still keeping the light on for qj jsn uh and mingo on the bottom of my benches now after that we have back to regular scheduled programming with the rest of our takeaways takeaway number six is the will levis debut i mean the guy was throwing lasers man will levis was a guy that we weren't all that high on i mean we had him high in like Superflex dynasty because he's a quarterback and We've seen in the past quarterback evals are all over the place. Justin Herbert was like the consensus QB3 in his class, and he was just an absolute animal. And if you're going to bet on a quarterback, he's going he better have tools. And Will Levis has tools for days. You can see, man. I mean, dude, that that end of game touchdown to Nick Westbrook Akine, where he's like he's like he hit like this fadeaway. He's like fading away. He has like a, a lineman in his lap. There's clearly pressure in his face. He couldn't fully step into the throw and he flicks it. And Westbrook still has time. He still has air to run underneath it. Like how Will Levis got that ball so far can only be explained as like very rare arm talent. So that is very exciting. Um, this passing chart is absolutely absurd, right? Where like three of his touchdowns were like 40 yards downfield. Some of them even cross, right? So like the, the actual air yards where, okay, it goes 40 yards. But if it goes diagonally, it's more like 50. He was throwing lasers. He was throwing absolute heat. I mean, there was one to Hopkins that was kind of like, 
more of a, a lollipop laser kind of thing, but just, or not laser, but a lollipop like rainbow. Uh, he also had seven rushes, just 11 rushing yards, but just good to know that he is scrambling a little bit, rushing the ball a little bit. I know we had some Malik Willis mix in. I don't know what's going on there. I, I don't think that that's going to really hold much longer, but this is exciting for a young quarterback. He had 26.6 PPR points in his debut. He elevated DeAndre Hopkins to 30 plus PPR points. I think Derrick Henry had a pretty good day. So this is good for all Titans. Uh, Will Levis being exciting and good. Now I will say, I will say one more thing per the numbers as well. He looked good. So that's, that's EPA per play PFF offensive grade. He's in this range of like your, you know, your good quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Stafford, Dak, you know, just being in the top right of this chart is good. Now, the big caveat is that it's a small sample. We're talking a one game sample from a second round pick. So the ceiling is Justin Herbert, or if you want to say like a second round, I'm trying to think of like a second round pick uh, who is absolutely like balled out. Oh, Jalen Hurts. Like the, that's a ceiling value wise and fantasy production wise, right? The floor is like Drew Locke. So just have that in mind. Like it's not, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion this kid can play, uh, but this was a really good step in the right direction where his ceiling, the ceiling is very much there. It's like a guy who can just really sling it, can look really good. Um, but we'll see. Very optimistic, uh, optimistic moving forward, but the the range of outcomes are very, very wide is what I'm trying to say. It is not a shoe-in that Will Levis is going to be like a great quarterback, but I mean, what he, what he showed was amazing. Again, the, the arm strength that he put on tape. I'm not a grinder myself, but holy cow, man. He like he was throwing heat. Um now after that, we have uh the Falcon side of that game, the Titans Falcons game. I wanted to talk about as well in terms of their quarterback stuff on their side. You had Desmond you had uh Taylor Heineke come in. Desmond Ritter had a concussion, then he gets cleared, he stays on the sideline, Taylor Heineke is in. Knowing Arthur Smith we're going to get zero clarity at all. Uh, heading into this week if Desmond Ritter has now lost the job but my assumption is possibly Heineke's the guy moving forward and that's really exciting here like we can look at these PFF stats across the bottom uh, Taylor Heineke 79.1 PFF grade in his you know 21 attempts this year we're talking again a very small sample but at the very least Heineke's been better 8.3 yards per attempt to Desmond Ritter 7.1 his dot is 12.4 yards Ritter's at 8.2 so that's really good Ritter's been bad this year man six big time throws are just 16 Turnworthy plays, six touchdowns, six picks with a bunch of fumbles to go with it. It's not been good. Um, we also have this chart on the on the left-hand side of the screen. That's EPA per play with completion percentage over expectation. Uh, and you can see there where Ritter's like 33rd, Heineke's 7th. Now, Heineke's not a top 7 quarterback. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that he's probably like below average at worst here, um, whereas Ritter is like out of the top 30 quarterbacks this year. So, this is a good upgrade. It should be something you feel good about when it comes to Drake London and when it comes to Kyle Pitts. I will say that they didn't get a ton more volume in this game because of uh, Heineke, but that's because a lot of targets went to like Scotty Miller, what is it, like Daryl Hodge, Van Jefferson. And that to me was just him having comfortability with the second team guys. And I think in a if he gets to go into the week as the starting quarterback and get some more rapport with like Pitts and your Drake London, then you're going to be good. Taylor Heineke was pretty decent for guys like Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas uh, in the past for Washington. So I'm not all that concerned about their usage. And then everyone's going to ask about Bijan. Well, Bijan didn't really do too much. Just 12 PPR points here. But again, I, I know that it's getting old. I know I keep saying, guys, just be patient, just be patient. But his role was fine here. Again, this is the utilization report. 73% of the snaps, it was what? Just his, it's like his fourth time going over 70% of the snaps. That's great. Uh, almost half of the rush attempts. That's fine to me. 
Um, he also had 72% of the routes. That's amazing. Just a 7% target share, but that's like the lowest he's had all year. If he's going to run 70% of the routes, most of the time he's going to see targets here. Uh, long down and distance, 92%, two-minute drill, 77%, 12 PBR points. Again, every game that he's actually played outside of the migraine game, he has yet to finish outside the top 24 running backs. I'm still bullish on Bijan Robinson moving forward because to me it's, you know, I'd say what the top three running backs right now are McCaffrey, Kamara, ETN, and then it's kind of a wasteland of whatever. And I, I don't mind putting Bijan at four there um, if you wanted to. Now, after that, we have uh, Charbonnet season. So another kind of rookie we'll talk about here. Charbonnet season, uh, but also, like, to be honest, Kenneth Walker's probably just hurt. Like, I, I'm not really going to take a victory lap here. Uh, Seattle Seahawks running back splits in week six or week eight. Shout out Jacob Gibbs here. 56, it was like a 50-50 split. Eight rushes for Walker, five for Charbonnet. Charbonnet was more of the pass catcher, which we've known. Red zone rate, Charbonnet had a bit more, but still super, super even. Uh, Charbonnet had seven touches for 8.4 PPR points. Walker had nine touches for eight PPR points. So we're talking split down the middle. Walker came into the week where he didn't practice Wednesday and Thursday. He got practice in on Friday. He played this week. I think moving forward, Walker will have better days. They played against Cleveland in this game. That's going to be a tough defense regardless. But in my eyes, I'd see still Walker as the guy in this offense moving forward. But I think it kind of gives him a little bit of a ding where he was challenging for like top five running back in fantasy. To me, he's now probably like back end RB1. And then Charbonnet goes from somebody that's just been kind of collecting dust on waivers to now somebody who needs to be rostered everywhere in case if he does carve out a startable role, and in case if Walker was to ever go down. Uh, on the other side of that game, it was Seahawks versus the Browns. You had Jerome Ford. I mean, Jerome Ford's a madman, dude. How he got, got out there uh, after a high ankle sprain. I know it was a low-grade high ankle sprain, but you guys know me. I, I was saying I'm taking the I'm taking the over on two games, and he comes back, plays in the next game. Uh, it's tough. Like We're talking three-way split between Kareem Hunt, Jerome Ford, Pierre Strong, almost evenly. Like We're talking... Just about 10 routes for all of them. Just about 10 carries for all of them. One to two targets for all of them. This is about, you know, 27 snaps, 26 snaps, 24 snaps. That's about as even as it's going to get uh, for a three-way committee. So it's ugly moving forward. I don't know that you can trust any of the moving forward. Kareem Hunt's the only one that hit 10-plus PPR points. They're all rough until this kind of condenses back into a two-man backfield. So we'll see. Also, I want to give a shout-out. David Njoku now had back-to-back -back good weeks here where he's been like a featured uh, target in this offense. He had seven targets in this game. It seems like P.J. Walker kind of trusts him a little bit more uh, than a Deshaun Watson. It makes sense for like a backup quarterback to light the safety valve tight end. Now, after that, we have some big games from struggling wide receivers. We had uh, Jahan Dotson. Eight catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. He had 25 PPR points. <sighs> The issue is that I would kind of pump the brakes. Uh, we were talking up Jahan Dotson in the offseason, but to me, this wasn't... Like, it was good. It was good to see him do something, right? Because up to this point, he hadn't had a single game with over 50 receiving yards. But I want to pump the brakes ever so slightly because uh, if we look at the utilization report here from Fantasy Life, 89% of the routes, 18% target route run, 18% of the targets. So we're talking... Like, this wasn't even a 20% target share. This was a game where Sam Howell threw the ball 52 times. So he was kind of a beneficiary of that. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, this was his best game. He looked good. That's all good and well. But I think he's still, like, a pretty desperate flex play moving forward. Unless of, like, I don't know. He also had a Curtis Samuel injury, too, where Curtis Samuel only ran 20% of the routes. Like, it was kind of the perfect scenario for Jahan Dotson to smash. And he still didn't really command a huge chunk of the target. So 
it's tough. I, I do think, again, I think this is probably a, a step in the right direction for Jahan Dotson, but I wouldn't I wouldn't parade around uh, that Jahan Dotson's like a startable wide receiver three moving forward. I think that he's still kind of a boom-bust flex. Uh, but at least we've, we've seen the boom. We hadn't seen the boom until now. Uh, and then we have Calvin Ridley, 30% plus target share. That was huge for him. Uh, Kirk had his lowest since week three. They head into the bye week coming out of that. They should get Zay Jones back. We talked about that last week, Zay Jones being a good thing for Calvin Ridley moving forward. That's all exciting for Calvin Ridley. I think that he has rebounded quite nicely there. Uh, he did have just six catches, 83 yards, 14.3 PPR points. But unlike Jahan Dotson, I think his underlying metrics are very much more positive than his output. Um, then we also have a 35% target share and 16.5 PPR points for Deontay Johnson on the other side of that Jaguars game. That was really positive. Just have to hope that uh, Kenny Pickett is back and healthy. Now, our ninth takeaway is Javante Williams' bell cow usage. Now, I still have game script concerns, uh, but I guess less here. Now, he was a sell candidate of mine. I didn't really like how the usage looked on paper, uh, but he just turned in his first top 12 finish of the year, his highest snap share of the year at, eight, at 66%. He had 30 touches. He had like 27 carries, which just feels arrogant is kind of how I would put it uh with a running back coming off of like a pretty brutal ACL injury uh he had been efficient up until this game he had a 3.1 yards per carry in this game so that was pretty brutal he had 27 rushes for 85 yards not great but definitely positive that he handled 30 touches uh coming off of this injury I'd just see him perform though again we talked about it last week he kind of only thrives in positive game scripts with that 35% of the routes in this game. Of course, he had a 16% target share, but a 20, like, that's a really high target per route run for a running back to sustain here. Uh, none of the two-minute drill snaps, just 10% of the long down and distance stuff. This is a team that's not good. I know that they just beat the Chiefs. Things happen in the NFL. We just saw the Bears beat the Raiders, beat the doors off the Raiders, and then come out here and get killed versus the Chargers. So unless you think that the Broncos turn a corner here and make a push for the playoffs, I don't know that Javante Williams is going to have the game scripts to do this every week. So we'll see, but things trending up for him. Now, I did also want to cover, I feel like sometimes I just forget about the Thursday night games when I do these, but I thought there were some good takeaways uh, in that Bills versus Buccaneers game. First of all, James Cook, to me, had his best usage of the year. He had uh, 60%, I believe it was the first time, I don't know, it might have been the first time, but he had 60% uh, of the snaps and 60% of the rush attempts, and then also 60% uh, 60% plus of the routes. Like that is the perfect like trifecta there for a guy like James Cook, who's not going to get touches inside the five, but just eight PPR points. The targets were low, right? Just 3% of the targets. That's going to, of course, go up. And then once I wrote this, we had the Leonard Fournette signing, which Leonard Fournette is scary because he's a very capable pass catcher. We've seen him. I don't think he has a hundred catch season, but he might have like a hundred target season with the Jaguars. He's a capable pass catcher. Who's also big. So he can now take high-value touches from both sides where he can take targets and he can take goal-line carries because of his size. That is very scary for a guy like James Cook where the Bills have been like non-committal to him being the featured back. That's tough. He goes from like a trending up RB2 to now like, uh, I'd say mid-range RB3, but maybe this is a Dalvin Cook situation and Leonard Fournette just sucks. We'll see. But Latavius Murray's been pretty solid for them. Uh, That's kind of a new storyline to watch is Leonard Fournette on the bills now after that we also have close Kerr. i wanted to talk about where close Kerr uh is kind of a guy he was an interesting recruit or not a recruit he's an interesting prospect i think he went to boise state as like the slot prototype uh i don't want to put words in matt Harmon's mouth but i think that he had some shades to like a keenan allen cooper cup type of guy i don't know what the ceiling is for a guy like close Kerr. maybe like a hunter renfro would probably be about right you know one of these slot guys that find themselves little roles in the league 
But I think that the underrated part of the Dawson Knox injury is not only more looks, targets, all of that for Dalton Kincaid. We saw him have his breakout game. It's that they're going to be in a lot more 11 personnel, right? Where 12 personnel, you have two tight ends on the field. Now that they have one tight end removed, yes, that means that Dalton Kincaid is going to be the future tight end, but it also means now they have a slot wide receiver they're going to be depending on, which was close to Kerr. 72% of the routes, 15% of the targets, 18% target per out run, 15 PPR points in that game. That's all pretty good, man. You know, like that's not amazing. It's not someone that you can like maybe start every week, but he's now a relevant guy in the mix closer curve. So just somebody to kind of keep an eye on. Now, that is going to do it for us today. That was a long, long-winded top 10 lessons learned. But I told you guys, we had so many games this week, there were a lot to go over. And I think you guys kind of like the longer-winded uh, versions of these. So let me know how you guys enjoyed that video. Leave a like, subscribe again. I hate begging for, for subscriptions, fellas, but as always, it's a slower, slower time of the year, right? We're October 30th at this point. The subs are coming to a screeching halt. You know, we had August, September. Now we're in October. Things are slowing down. So again, if you're if you're watching every single week, take a look. See if you're subscribed. If you're not, click the subscribe button. It helps me out a ton. As always, on top of that, if you are already subscribed, make sure you check out Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code RONANDALE. Match your deposit up to $500. Again, the Michael Mayer Trick or Treat promo is live on the Pick'em's tab of Underdog Fantasy, and they are splitting $100,000 across 1,000 customers. So if you want a chance to win $100, get Michael Mayer added to your Pick'em slip, or you can go higher or lower on total yards, PPR points, happy PR points, receptions, all of that for every player involved in the games tonight. On top of, I think you can even, we have what, the sports equinox going on. So if you want to get hockey in the mix, you want to get basketball in the mix, I'm going to be in the mix. You can do that. And you can kind of just sweat on four screens. Do whatever you want. Again, promo code RON. Link will be in the description and the comment section down below. As always, I love you guys. And I will see you all in the next one.